0: Okay, so here we go. We're we'll be official now, as official as I get. It's a pleasure to have you on the Essentialism Podcast. In my mind, among many other things, you're like Mr. Elevate. Book, by that title, Push Beyond Your Limits, the great podcast, the Elevate podcast, people should check out. Let's just start off with that question. Why does Elevate, that principle, that word, why does it matter so much to you?
1: Yeah, I think, look, a lot of these things are are personal and I think elevate or the notion of building capacity or making sure that, you know, we are doing what we are able to do the best we can do is something I probably feel like I did not do (laughs) for a long time um, and for some reason. So that's been part of my journey. And what I've enjoyed in building a company and leadership is watching people sort of build their capacity and elevate and rise. And I I think there's different things that they need to do that and learning and stories. And I, I try to bring those things to them so that everyone can do a little bit better.
0: Well, being the Essentialism podcast, I should just go down a certain avenue with you. But before I do, are you willing to be a little vulnerable with us today? Sure, yeah. You're game for that. I'm game. So here's the question, right? The core question is, just tell me something in your life right now that is highly important. It could be in your business or personal, doesn't matter, but it's highly important, very important. It's essential. But you, if you're honest, are under-investing in it currently. And I just want your first thought to that question. First answer.
1: Yeah. And, and, and there's an irony in this, but I think it is, as I would call my physical capacity. I think in trying to do a lot in the last couple of months. And I have, I'm definitely, you know, tired, not eating as well. I, I've let up on some of the the routines and I, it's common, but I, it's not where I want it to be. And it's not where I need it to be. I've, I've been exhausting myself in the last three to six months.
0: You have been so singularly focused on delivering, uh, <laughs> you know, a product, yeah. a project, Keeping things going, of course, in these unusual times, these unexpected times uh, where everybody has lost something. That one of the things that has given one of the trade offs you've made, not so intentionally, is what you just described physical capacity, and you gave some examples of that. Tell me, why does this matter so much? You know, I said something that's highly important, it's, it's essential to you, and you chose this area. Why does it matter? Let's just dig on that for a moment.
1: Actually, health and vitality is one of my core values. It's one of my five core values. So it is important to me and because it's just tricky. It's like we just know it, but we always think that we can put it aside for a couple of days and then that turns into weeks and, 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 you know, it's very momentum oriented. So uh, it becomes a very vicarious or a vicious cycle. And I think I've gotten into more of the vicious uh, cycle of, I'm going to try to go for a long, long run uh, after this call, but...
0: You're not looking forward to that run.
1: I actually don't enjoy running, but but I feel so good after running that I'm very conscious that I need to like distract myself to run. <laughs> so I, I'll be very happy that I ran, but I'm never looking forward to running.
0: What you've told me is a couple of things. One, you've said, it matters. I've stated that it matters. It's in my stated values where I have been really thoughtful and identifying what really matters most to me, it's there. Yeah, There are times when you live it. There's the momentum and you're doing it and you feel in alignment with that. But right now, you're not, uh, not sufficiently. And, and you're saying it, it matters, of course, because, well, I suppose what you've said is that it matters because it's one of your values and, and you want to be congruent to that. But, but just go a bit deeper. I mean, why does being congruent to your values matter so much to you?
1: It doesn't feel good when you're out of alignment. So I think that's what I was going to say. Even before that, I think you you you're in a place that doesn't it, like it's that electric fence. So I know it when I feel it, and it's not feeling my bucket. I know the difference that I feel when uh, I'm in the opposite direction, but this is where, you know, they fight each other. So there's, there's the, I, you know, I have had a couple opportunities to do some new things that really made things better these days that created a lot more stress and on my health. So sometimes your values, and this is why it's helpful to have hierarchical, but sometimes they fight each other um, a little bit and you've got to choose in the, in the short term.
0: I just had BJ Fogg on the podcast and he talked about the tension that exists between two things that you want. And yeah. and it, it's not just a, I value this, the end it's, I value this, but I also value this and there's tension between them and there's trade offs involved in them. And so it's really in that wrestle that real prioritization happens. It's not yeah. just the stated list. That's a, a great exercise. It's highly important to be able to point to it, to come back to it. But in the end, there are trade-offs involved. And, and so what you've said is it feels really not good to be out of alignment. It feels great to be in alignment. And there's a positive cycle that follows from it. Let me go one more time. Like, why does it matter so much to be this comfort and uncomfortable? Is it just that? Is it is it as simple as that? I want to feel good versus not feeling good. Give me one more level of why does it matter? I think I, I want to
1: feel better. I know how I want to feel, but I I also understand that I think in the bigger picture, like how important that is, right? Because I can get caught up in the opportunity of this week, but I also don't want to drop dead of a heart attack <laughs> next year and, and abandon my children. So I very much understand the implications of like ignoring you know in that one ignoring that for uh, a long period of time. And I you know I, I had a pretty massive uh, panic attack now, almost probably 12 years ago. So that's also pretty seared in memory
0: for me. Mm, We just got somewhere, right? That definitely was a level deeper than just, hey, you feel good or you don't feel good. You're in alignment or you're not in alignment. Now now you've tapped a a few deeper parts of the well. Uh, 12 years ago, panic attack. Tell me just a little more about that.
1: There are three things that are stressful and probably doing them in the same year is not not a great idea. So having a a child, uh, starting a business, building a house, and then living with your parents while you're doing that. My grandmother had actually just passed away too. And yeah, I was tired, you know, having an extra cup of coffee in the morning, glass of wine at night, just burning the candle at both ends. And I just one day I started to have sort of shortness of breath and tingling. And I was... um, Actually, talk about this in the book Elevate. I was in my uh, kitchen, and, and and I'm another one of my core values, self-reliance. So I'm the person who drives themselves home from the hospital after surgery. Like I, I do not want someone doing something for me if I can do it myself. I don't like to ask, and and so I called my wife and I said, "You gotta come home. I don't feel good." And so just like for her, that's like a big alarm. Just if you knew me and her, because normally I'd say it's fine and I'll and I'll deal with it.
0: Yeah, when she heard that, she knew this was a big deal.
1: Yeah, and I just I couldn't catch my breath. I was in my kitchen. My son was uh, there. We had a, a babysitter. He's six months old, and I collapsed, and I, I looked at him, and I thought that was the last time I was ever going to see him.
0: In that moment, did you have the awareness to, like, feel something about that moment, or did it happen so quickly that it's just now looking back, you try and... The
1: thought in my head was a, I cannot believe that this is how I'm going to die.
0: Why was that the thought? What was it about that moment that was so like disappointing?
1: I think a lot of it was him and he was there and that I don't know whether I thought it through that just he would know that story. That would be, you know, I just, I think it brought the family aspect of it just very real to me. And so I, I mean, I fully thought I was a heart attack and I was in an ambulance and, Turns out I was just very low on magnesium, which had caused my heart to spike and a lot of stress. And I feel like I got to get out of jail free card. And and a lot of people don't get one of those. So I shouldn't assume I'm going to get two.
0: You got a, a full second chance, not just an encore, like a full second chance to do this, a full second act to do it. But in that moment, let me just come back to that, because I'm sort of. Trying to visualize this, you're, you 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 have collapsed. Your six month old son is there, and there's this moment as you describe it. I can't believe this is how it goes.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's this duality of sort of missing out, like letting him and my family down as a father, but also that I, you know, I just ha- I had a lot more to do and to give, and and you know, tying it back to Elevate and all that stuff. I I think there's a lingering thing there, too, that that I I wasn't done.
0: That's the phrase. I'm not done. No, please. <laughs> I do not want to be done here. I've just barely started with my son, with my family. I don't want to be done here. And I haven't done in the public arena either. There's work I want to do in both places. There's more mission left. I do not want this to be the end. That's the sensation and feeling in that moment. Yes. So having got down into some of the deeper why of the physicality, because that, to me, that story, that idea is a complete shift of perspective. Suddenly, it's not just, you know, going for a run makes you feel good. That's fine motivation to get out and run in a day. But it's it's more serious than that for you. You're saying, look, if I don't get the right balance... If I don't get the right dynamic equilibrium between these different values, really, then however much I put into one or two of them, I may lose all of them.
1: Yeah, and I can't, you know, that that may stop me from making the contribution that I want to make.
0: In that moment, you say, you change what afterwards? You get this chance back. You know, you weren't dying on the surface a pretty easy fix, but you discover underneath i've got to approach this differently because otherwise I could end up being here you know more often than I mean to be here, and it could lead to something bigger and more serious. so you decide to make a change and elevate sounds like the whole approach of elevate of developing the capacities uh you know mentally spiritually emotionally physically these capacities in a sense crystallizes and grows out of this experience that you say i've got to develop in all of these areas to make sure that i'm actually at my peak performance, that I can elevate my overall contribution to the world, I want to teach other people to do the same. Um, Assuming that I've got that about right, help me to understand now, like, what does success look like for you? You know, what would you need to change? And I don't mean to get it perfect. I don't mean to suddenly make physical the whole thing, because that also would have costs that don't feel optimal to you. Uh so what does success look like physically for you from where you are? I think it's a function
1: of energy level, feeling just you know stress being down kind of at a at a green light across dimensions rather than a uh, I think I'm good at staying out of the red light but probably uh some of the gauges tend to push yellow. And then like I said, most a lot of these things, you know, they're self-fulfilling. So you sleep well, you sleep well. Um, You know, you you get into these cycles. I mean, when COVID started, you know, and I mean, I was just waking up at three o'clock every night. Like it was just like someone had set an alarm. And until I could break out of that, I don't know, my body just got used to that for some reason every night at three o'clock. So my brain slowed down a little bit. It's easier to meditate. All of those things, it's just a more sustainable level of Sort of physical capacity. And there's some unique factors that are, that are just going on right now, right? A lot of our communication is phone or Zoom. You know, we're not getting the sort of some of that in person communication, which tends to relieve some of our stress. Uh, you know, there's a lot of external things and other people worrying. And so I think there's some environmental things now that so- someone on my team said to me last month my emotional ATM is over withdrawn <laughs> by, by other people after the last three months. And I thought it it was a really good analogy.
0: I feel like this is a a, sort of a twist on the whole idea of elevation, but I feel like sometimes we're hiking at very high elevation right now. So the air is thin.
1: I think the air is thin for everyone. One of the interesting things about capacity and, and the way I describe the framework, a little like a computer processor, right? So if you get a faster processor, it does what it needs to do with less energy. It's not just doing more. And so that's I think the magic if you if you get a little bit in flow and get these things in balance where the same things I mean in generally I try to align around you know the whole notion of aligning around these capacity spiritual capacity and focusing on the things that align to your values is that those are things that actually tend to feed your energy and stress you less.
0: Yeah, you're saying that this balance this ecosystem of all these different pieces if you can get it back into the equilibrium that it starts to self-propel, things start working yeah. better, and and so you're saying even the right one or two tweaks could make a big difference in feeling just overall in all areas of life suddenly a lot better. That that that's what you're describing. Yeah, and I know
1: you I mean you talk a lot about uh, sleep in your book, and I, you know when you just even have a good night of sleep, you think about it, you you're you're learning faster, you're more patient with other people, you know, you know, those days, you know, we're like, God, everyone really bothered me today. Well, maybe it wasn't everyone. Maybe you were the problem. Well, I
0: mean, that's, that's (laughs) one of the tests of exhaustion is that is that every request uh, becomes irritating that, that no matter who it is and no matter what it is, you start to feel a little resentful. This episode is sponsored by Shopify selling a little or a lot. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash greg, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash greg now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash greg. I'm trying to identify now, next, what is the reasonable, realistic, even easy tweak that could be made in this reality, so I'm not pretending that somehow you can put aside these deadlines and put aside these commitments that you still align with your values, you're still committed to them, you still want to do them, but to, in a way that, that adjusts and, and really trying to identify, if possible, the one most needful thing.
1: I'll tell you one I figured out, and I saw this from from my neighbor. And look, people have talked about Zoom fatigue is a is a real thing, right? And I think we've we've replaced all these in person meeting with Zoom calls. Well, we're a virtual company, so we we're already doing Zoom calls. And and I think there's like a natural limit to like three or four hours of these a day before your your just eyes are tired and. And so what I've, what I've actually done, the opposite. So normally, because we're virtual, we do everything on video. I, I've said to a lot of internal calls or things where I know the people or I didn't think it was important, hey, can, I'm going to switch this to my cell. And they call me on the cell and I go walk for an hour while I talk to them. And right there, I, I've accomplished like three things uh, kind of in, in, in one. So I've actually been trying to um, switch some stuff off video and just get outside and go for a walk. And then suddenly, I've walked 8,000 steps. Um, when we have that call and i don't i don't have the same um I, and i think that is actually a lot of the sorts of stresses some of the stuff i've been doing recently and just have to it just involves needing to be in front of the computer seven hours a day and it that is just uh it is naturally exhausting
0: it's absolutely true and and zoom meetings to me they they fulfilled an important function but they're not at all like normal meetings and and while we've pretended they are because that's the best next thing we could jump too fast you know they're not what we normally do you don't normally sit in a meeting where everyone's staring with into each other's eyes you, if you did that it would be a very strange meeting and you would feel exhausted
1: afterwards you can't daydream or look around the room or yeah
0: no, and and it's only as people are getting a bit more comfortable that they get the idea. Oh, I can stand up and walk around. I can go grab a drink. It's okay. You know, people are getting these new social norms, but certainly at first, you are staring at the screen. You are staring at the camera. You you feel like you're on it in a way that in a normal meeting you could be a little more relaxed about. Uh, and so I agree that this is adding tension to just the the you know mental strain. Uh, in a a variety of ways okay so you're saying that's helped that's something you can continue to do what I want to do beyond that is identify one thing that you're not doing that you think look if I was doing this I think it would reduce my stress and it would increase my energy to the to a standard that I say well it's not perfect but it's good under these circumstances and I feel really satisfied with that given what I'm trying to do yeah and the answer there is I, I need to honor the I usually
1: do schedule in breaks and 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 I want that sort of cadence and I need to you know honor that when things get tight you know I tend to uh give away the breaks or someone just needed something for fifteen minutes oh so so call me then i and that I guess that is the difference when I religiously protect that time uh that th- there's probably a better a better outcome but but during times of a book launch or otherwise or when you know, you have uh, the urgent, important quadrant is over-indexed. Um, I, I think those can be the first things that I give away, and they're they're there for a reason. So I need to
0: use them. Yes. And, and so it's, it's just the easiest thing in the world to say, well, one more unit of work uh, will be one more unit of productivity. And, of course, that's true to a point, but then we get to the point of diminishing returns where you're getting – a little less for every unit you put in. And then, of course, there's a point where you can get negative returns where actually for every additional unit you put in, you get less than overall. So you're actually getting, it's like a a real fool's bargain past a certain point of return. So, So tell me, like, really concretely, what would that look like for you this week? What would an achievable set of breaks look like? Yeah, there's something called the,
1: it's like the Pomodoro. I remember there's a study. I've seen that. That was actually part of it. And I do try to work closely around that, like an hour or two, and then, you know, a 20-minute break or or something that you get outside and need that.
0: So how can we just uh, build this into your routine in the next week realistically? I mean, first of all, does it feel realistic to you? Or do you go, you know, as soon as we're done with this conversation, I'm out? Yeah, it's, look, I, I need to go back to one of my essential rules that I've
1: gotten away from, so I've broken it. Which is, when, when my when my schedule gets crowded and working with my assistant, it, it, it's one in one out rule, not a, not a one plus rule. Um, so, you know, if something is that urgent that it needs to come in, then it needs to actually displace something else, not be added on top.
0: Of it. So, okay, so that feels like a different kind of tactic. At the end, that isn't about taking breaks. You're just saying. I think, Greg, I've probably been just taking on too much.
1: I, I tied it together because I think I have the breaks, <laughs> but they've become the time that gets given for the end. So I need to honor the breaks. They're actually in my calendar. I need to freeze them and then declare that anything new that comes in, you know, can be removed from something during the other time if it's
0: more important. It makes perfect sense what you're saying now. You're saying that you have these buffer schedules built into your routine. They're actually on your calendar. But what you're using them for instead is you still stay at the desk. You do the next thing, the next request, whatever the last email's been. Yes. Yes. And so your your commitment is—I'm putting words in your mouth—but your commitment is to physically get up from the desk when that break comes on the calendar. That you are going to physically get up, walk out, be with the family, go outside. You know, whatever the, whatever the activity is that you just think will will relax you. Uh, Go take a nap, uh, a little power nap. I Actually, I've been doing a lot.
1: I've been good at the power naps. Sometimes I start to meditate and it turns into a power nap, but I I, I get the same value out of that. And yeah, I have no shame
0: in napping. I love this. I feel like we've got to something it's, you know, as is often the case, it's not about something that's brand new. What we just identified as a specific behavior change for this week is already on your calendar. It's not new. Uh, at all. Uh, certainly not intellectually, but there's a, a tendency in our lives, and I think COVID has accelerated this tendency, to allow email activity, particularly work activity, to creep. And it starts to take over the tentacle-like every aspect of us and just keeps us more and more chained to the desk, more and more chained to the phone, more and more chained to the latest update. Uh, and and, and what, what we're doing in this conversation as we go through this process is taking your life back.
1: <laughs> Greg, I'll ask you a question because it ties to a comment I've said before that I've thought about with a woman who said, you know, my emotional ATM is is sort of over-withdrawn. How to You know, in a time where people are struggling, tensions are high, emotional needs are high. I see a lot of people struggling with like kind of deciding between themselves and someone else. Their emotional bank is over withdrawn, but they feel like they want to help and that other person needs help. I see people struggling with figuring out that sort of boundary of like, hey, look, I know these people need help on my team, but I'm exhausted and I'm (laughs) stressed about this stuff. Who comes first in that equation?
0: I see there being three concentric circles that help us to prioritize. The non-essentialist goes from the outside in. So the outside circle is all the stuff out there. They could be very worthy projects, but they could also be just other stuff out there. Email is full of stuff from out there. The news feed is out there. The social media is out there. Tons of stuff that's going on out there. The second ring, as you come in, inwards, is your most important relationships, most important relationships at home, most important relationships at work. So relationship is the middle. As a non-essentialist comes inwards, the problem is you can never drain the ocean of out there. So you drink all day long. Oh, if I spend another hour, if I sleep an hour less, if I do, then I'll get to what? To to the what? To the end of your to-do list? To the end of all the things anyone could expect of you, To the this never ends. So what it means is that by the time you get to your most important relationships, there's not much of you left. So you're already tired, fatigued, or even burned out. And so what's the quality of that interaction? How is it going to go? Well, it's not going to go very well. It's a bit more uh, tense. There's less time available. When you're actually with people, you're not very emotionally present. There's not much energy in you to be able to give to them. And then, of course, as you move into the, the third, final, and, and inner circle, that's you, that's that's protecting the asset, uh, the asset that is you. And so what's left there is almost nothing at all. So he essentially starts with protecting the asset. Now, that's why sleep must be protected and you know, keep on reinvesting in it. And, and if you, you know, what you just described, I think lots of people relate to that, that feeling of, somewhat panic or some disruption through COVID and they're waking up in the middle of the night or early or that somehow their sleep has been disrupted. And so you're not going to solve that in one day, but to to take steps to prioritize it and protect it, not because you're being selfish, but because you want to be able to contribute to your relationships and to the projects out there. The difference is huge. When you get enough energy within you protect the asset first, you restore the asset first, uh, then you're showing up to your most important relationships differently because you're not so burned out with them. So therefore, you can have better conversations, prioritize better with them, uh, be more honest, be more open uh, because you're coming in your, yourself a more energized state. And therefore, in the end, you can end up with a higher contribution out there as well. Uh, and that's sort of the value proposition in some ways of essentialism as a whole. So that to me would be my answer to uh, to the conundrum you find yourself in, but also this person you're describing uh, as as having said, look, how, how do I wrestle? Yes, you want to contribute all but the order. I
1: was going to say the difference, I think, for COVID, which it makes it harder, but it's the exact same process, is that. I think sometimes there are these like squirrely distractions, right? (laughs) Things that we shouldn't be doing aren't important or otherwise. I think, you know, now for a lot of people, it's been a lot of fires, right? It's been a lot of things that are harder to turn down in a way because there's a lot of need. Um, And I think that's probably... Just, just made it even harder for people to be an, uh, an essentialist. Some things are easy to say no to, right? Uh, hey, do you want to speak at this thing or otherwise? Or, but, you know, when someone's really struggling on their team or hurting on their team and, and needs their help, that's a much harder thing to say no to out of hand.
0: Yes, I mean, what you're saying is, is absolutely right, that in these uncertain, ambiguous, intense times, the, it's harder to discern what to do, what not to do, which of course is exactly why it's in fact a higher priority now more than ever to get the rest, to get that self-care. Uh, something that I've just done uh, in our family is we've, we've actually started, I haven't done it yet myself to be honest, ironically, I've been helping everybody else with it, a checklist for everyday self-care item, just literally a checklist. Okay. Go take a bath, go for a walk, do exercise. And it's literally a checklist of things. And so for our children, before they look at any screens, they have a, a, a quite a long list of things to do, but it means that we never slip beyond a certain minimum standard of self care, of health, of overall internal, mental, physical, spiritual capacity.
1: I think that's a great lens of saying you can help all the people you want today as long as long as you've done your own self-help checklist first. Right. It's kind of the same discussion I would have with my 11 year old. Like once you're done with your checklist, then I don't care how you spend your time. So I, I think that's a really good framework for people who find that there are a lot of people who really do need their help.
2: This episode is brought to you by Shopify, whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However, you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer. All lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer.
0: Um. Well, we. I feel like we've gone through a whole cycle there. Uh, and and uh, and how how do you give us the final word on this. Give us your final thoughts about what we've talked about and what you think you can do or people listening can do this to elevate in the times that we're in. Yeah, I think
1: it's, you know, the process I've found really helpful and obviously, you know, it's like any coach needs a coach because it's easier to help other people with it than yourself, but is this constant recalibration and making sure that you're you know, looking at what you have to do, thinking about your values when you're doing those to-do lists and quarterly. I, you know, when I'm doing my weekly, it's like, is this the most important thing I need to do for this week, for this quarter, for this year? You know, how how would I reprioritize that? Because I think, as as you are showing in that exercise. It's, it's sometimes we it's, it's a difference between knowing and doing. <laughs> so I said, I, I had built some of these systems to solve this process. I problem. I was just violating my own systems. Um, so I, I, I think pulling up and assessing the alignment regularly is, is a pretty important process.
0: What you just said, every coach needs a coach, I think is is profound and so true. So true. And it leads me, Even having said that you're going to have the final word, it leads me thinking what seems to be maybe a missing piece here is your accountability partner. Not that you've never had one, but just right now we've had this conversation. I mean, you have accountability partners all over the place because they're listening to this. <laughs> so you've, you've done it openly. But I wonder who who is the person that you can now go to post this conversation and say, okay, look. Uh, you, you know, this is the context. This is why I've been out of balance. But here's what I'm going to do about it. I'm going to take these breaks that I already have scheduled. And I would like you to hold me accountable for that. Who, who can be that person for you?
1: Yeah, I, when, I, when I end up doing it, I've done this before, I do it with my assistant, because she helps me hold the calendar and takes all the new stuff and tries to figure out if it's more important than the existing stuff. I will say, no matter what I tell you, don't change this or move this. So it's funny. We've we've had that discussion before, and I will tell her the lie. <laughs> and I, said, I, I know that I told you I, I need that. to get in all those meetings next week, but I want you to come back to me and tell me that it, it absolutely violated the rules I told you, and you're not doing it.
0: That reminds me of that scene from, uh, from Harry Potter where Dumbledore has to drink from this uh, vengeful, awful cup, this liquid, and he says – look, Harry, I need you to be here. And no matter what I say, no matter how I beg you, you have got to make sure I drink every last drop of this. And I love this sort of, it's almost like I could imagine a written contract with her where you say, look, the contract wins over whatever my pleadings are in the moment.
1: Yeah, when I tell you to schedule over the break, do not, do not do it. Do not do that. spit it back to me that I told you I was too overwhelmed last week.
0: Yes and and here's what I just want to add to that is the why. Now it's not like she doesn't know the why. Yeah. But maybe she doesn't. You know, we assume people know the why. And and if I just take a school circle back to the why, it's profound. You say, "Look, I know that there's a lot going on. I know I ask you to schedule things, but I need you to help me be true to the deeper why, which is that I really do not want to risk getting anywhere close to a line where I end my life before I've done what I came here to do. And it's that important to me that I build these uh, margins of error, this buffer into my schedule, because I want to be there for my kids and I want to be there for the work that we're doing. And so this is how deep it matters that you help me stay accountable to these breaks that I've already identified. Does that sound weird to, me, to, to you to imagine having that conversation? Or does it feel like something that could be helpful?
1: That sounds like it's helpful. And yeah, I think when I, I agree, when people understand the why, uh, I, I think it takes it to a very different level.
0: It's my observation that even where we've gone through a process where someone had to identify the why, even though we didn't do this this time, I've done it before where people write it down. But in fact, even after they've written the process out they've written their why down, when they come to talk to their accountability partner, they find that they just skip the why. I think it's because it's a little more vulnerable. And so they just want to get onto business. But the why is what helps people to be able to hold us accountable to a higher authority than even us in that moment. And that's what we want is we want our accountability partners to hold us to the best and highest of our values not to the version who's maybe trying to, to wiggle their way uh, around their values in this moment
1: yeah they're, they're going to take their job very seriously with that sort of with that sort of uh, um, statement given to them
0: Yeah they are aren't they and that's exactly what we want because even though nothing you've said signals to me that you're on the edge of some breakdown whatever then no you' not, that's nothing you've described that way. But nevertheless, for you and for all the people listening to this, people are, many people are closer to an emotional, physical breakdown than they realize. The reason we say it's a wake up call is because we're not expecting that thing to happen. So it means at some point we were either in denial or just not aware, not really tuned in. And the nature of the cycle, I mean, the research on sleep is that, is that, There's like no benefits to being sleep-deprived, first of all. There is no upside. And also, when we're sleep-deprived, when we're exhausted, we're really bad at noticing. Like That's what the research shows. So the more tired we are, the more burned out we are, the less likely we are to accurately identify it. And so for all these reasons, we need not just rules that help us once we are in burnout, but things that keep us well away from the edge. Bob Glazer, what a pleasure to have you on the Essentialism podcast. It's been great to uh, to explore your ideas, but also doing it through your life and what's real right now. That's a benefit for everybody listening to this who are also striving to elevate their lives uh, in these times of great uncertainty and oddity. Thank you for being with me.
1: Thank you, Greg, and I'll uh, I'll be reporting back to you on the on the progress.
0: Thank you sincerely for listening. And if you like this conversation, please subscribe on your favorite podcast app and leave a review and a comment to help other people find us. Email me at essentialism.com if you have questions you would like me to answer in a future episode. Uh, Soon here we will have an episode specifically, a sort of ask me anything episode. If you have questions you'd like me to address, Uh, please email me at essentialism.com so I can consider it. Uh, If you want to join our community, follow us on social media at Gregory McEwen and at Essentialism Podcast. Again, I really am genuinely grateful to you for listening. Uh, Remember, if you don't prioritize your life, someone else will.
2: This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network.